0: This morning's reading comes from Hebrews 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted, as we are, yet without sin. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. Good morning. Um, My name is Andrew Sharp. I'm an elder here, and periodically it's my privilege to preach to y'all. And this is one of those Sundays. Um, If the scripture passage seemed familiar, uh, it should if you were here two weeks ago, because Matt preached on a slightly bigger chunk of Hebrews 4. and well prior to that, I had been asked to preach this Sunday, and I had decided to preach on that. So um, I am coming at it from a little different place, so hopefully it will be uh, familiar but not redundant. And I just wanted to say that like, I'm not rebutting what Matt said two weeks ago. Our current sermon series is examining The traits of Jesus, and uh, like Matt and some other elders, I've been reading Dane Ortland's excellent book, Gentle and Lonely. Lowly, not lonely, (laughs) Gentle and Lowly. And it reminded me that I have struggled personally to understand how Jesus could have been tempted like us in all ways but never sinned. Because doesn't being tempted imply the capacity to sin? In other words, is it true temptation if sin is impossible? And you may think that's just a matter of semantics and that the important things are that A, Jesus was tempted. Scripture is very clear about that and b jesus never sinned scripture is very clear about that also but for me and possibly some of you it is challenging to grasp jesus's personality i mean we know what he did and what he said but the gospel writers don't really go that far in describing how Jesus might have said something or what his tone of voice was or if he was smiling when he said something. And I really wish there had been those details but we don't have them Um, and I hesitate a little bit to try to fill in those blanks through my imagination. But I think it's important um, to try to to grasp the sense of Jesus's personality. Um, As Christians, we're told we have a personal relationship with Jesus, but so often in film and in art, Jesus is depicted as an almost otherworldly being, staring to the heavens seemingly, seeing things that we can't see. The picture above, I don't know if anybody recognizes the movie that's from Jesus of Nazareth, an epic film by Franco Zeffirelli. And that is the actor Robert Powell, who for a lot of people it just seemed like a painting come to life. Um, sort of struggle a little bit with the piercing blue eyes and wonder how that would have not been mentioned at least once in the Gospels if Jesus had piercing blue eyes but so be it. Um, One little footnote about uh, Robert Powell, Um, not a believer, either before or after doing the movie. I I won't say that's a fun fact, but it's always a curious fact to me. So when the writer of Hebrews tells us Jesus was tempted like us, I really want to ask Really? Like me? And it is so hard for me to wrap my mind around what it might have been like for Jesus to be at the same time fully human and fully divine because those natures seem like they would be at odds with each other. So I'm hoping that if to any degree you wrestle with that kind of question, that this sermon will be helpful to some extent um, so let's pause for a moment and define temptation in a biblical sense um, i read a lot of different uh, definitions of it uh, i think the one i thought was probably m- most useful was from christianity.com and there it was defined as the intentional enticement of a person by some bait usually pride always self-gratifying to disobey God's revealed word. The predicate may be demonic or fleshly, but the object is always the distortion of God's word and the defiance of God's mission in the world. So let's talk about whether Jesus conceivably could have given in to temptation and sinned. And this relates to the impeccability of Jesus. It wasn't a term I was really familiar with before um, preparing this sermon. Impeccability, it doesn't mean that he was a snappy dresser. I think we have a slide of someone's idea of Jesus and this. Kind of a snappy dresser in that, that picture. And there are two views on this. There there are some scholars who suggest that Jesus' human nature was capable of sin, but his God nature would kick in and keep him from sinning. And to those scholars, Jesus was peccable, And because of it, he was indeed tempted exactly like us. He never sinned, but theoretically he could have. The theologian Charles Hodge, argues that temptation implies the possibility of sin. If from the constitution of his person it was impossible for Christ to sin, then his temptation was unreal and without effect, and he cannot sympathize with his people. That's really the minority view. The, I don't want to say vast, but significant majority of biblical scholars that that I looked at argue pretty persuasively that Jesus could not have sinned, and I'll sum up their arguments like this. One, impeccability is the absence of sin. Christianity teaches this to be an attribute of God. Logically, God can't sin. It would mean that he would act against his own will and his own nature. Therefore, it's also attributed to his son, Jesus Christ. 2. Jesus was immersed in the Holy Spirit which the Father had given to him without measure according to John 3:34. This holiness was unchanging. Hebrews 13:8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Therefore Jesus during his incarnation Was no more capable of sin than he is now sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Three, Jesus never wavered from his purpose. According to Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 5, God predestined our salvation through Christ. Jesus, therefore, assumed our human nature to himself with no alteration or diminution of his deity or personal identity as the Son of God in order to accomplish the purpose of his incarnation. Now, as I said, it's, it's challenging for me to reconcile Jesus's divine nature from his human nature. Um, the human nature I'm most familiar with is my own, but I also see people's human nature demonstrated by actions and words. Romans 3.23 says it pretty bluntly. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So I ask myself and ask rhetorically, how could Jesus Christ have that nature somehow within him? I realized eventually that I was thinking about humanity all wrong. When I think of humanity, I think of how messed up we all are. If you turn on the news, it's hard to think that humanity is just a wonderful you know, fountain of, of holiness. But it's actually wrong look at ourselves and look at the world as representative of true humanity we need to look at Jesus for that and this was for me sort of a light bulb moment when I began to realize that it's Jesus that offers us a picture of a full human life last week Matt pointed out that Jesus' incarnation shows us what a restored world looks like. Disease is conquered. Hunger is no more. Instead, there's compassion and empathy and joy. When Jesus tells us that the kingdom of God is at hand, that's happening right now, he means it literally. Literally. His incarnation is a foretaste of the new heavens and the new earth. I'm sure I'm not the only one who might have a hard time picturing heaven. I'm told we have work to do and purpose, and there's, there are no tears or pain or anything bad. And there's no marriage, which is troubling for me. I I would enjoy heaven more if I could stay married. I hope Mary shares this view. Um, Maybe that's something you can petition for. Um, I can't imagine people not envying each other or resenting some of the people who make it into heaven how could everyone get along? There's, um, this is some artist's depiction of heaven. I mean, to me, it sort of looks like a special event at Disney. (laughs) Um, They're all playing the same instrument and they're all dressed the same. It's like cult day at Disney. Um, and I have to say, I mean, I, I was trying to find the slide that showed like an artist's depiction of heaven. Every one I came across was unintentionally hilarious. Um, many of them make heaven look like a big picnic. Um, there's always a lot of grapes. People eat grapes in heaven according to <laughs> According to the art I perused um, Occasionally you'll get a lion But you can recline against the lion. So that's fine. I did not find one that had dogs So I don't know. I I'll leave that there. See this is none of this is in my notes I should always stick with the notes um, But <laughs> It's easy to forget that as Christians that kind of heaven is not that kind of heaven is not our eternal hope. Our hope is to be sanctified and our human nature glorified. Romans 8:30 tells us that the curse of Adam's sin will be gone forever. And we will walk with God as fully human, fully alive and like Jesus, unable to sin. I can't imagine myself somehow separated from my sin nature. I would love to be able to imagine that. But the fact is Jesus became like us so that we might ultimately be like him. C.S. Lewis said it very well when he wrote, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ to make them little Christs. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. So let's turn back to Hebrews 4.15 and ask whether Jesus, as sinless, was tempted in every respect as we are. Leon Morris, an Australian New Testament scholar, wrote this. The person who resists knows the full force of temptation. Sinlessness points to a more intense rather than less intense temptation. The man who yields to a particular temptation has not felt its full power. He has given in while the temptation has yet something in reserve. Only the man who does not yield to a temptation, who, as regards that particular temptation, is sinless, knows the full extent of that temptation. So, indeed... We have a high priest in Jesus who can sympathize with us, who understands us more deeply than we know ourselves. I don't even know all the things that tempt me because it's not like a conscious thing. Every, there's temptations constantly to do whatever. And yet Jesus understands that deeply and sympathizes with that. And we have in Jesus someone who is not merely sympathetic to our own struggles, but lets us glimpse for now what our restored humanity might look like. And I can't imagine what that might feel like. I don't know what it would be like to to be, as as C.S. Lewis said, a, a little Christ and sinless but I bet it feels amazing. And the good news is that it's not something we have to wait for. If you're a follower of Jesus, that restoration, that renovation of our hearts, that's happening now. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, there is so much in Scripture that might confound us, and things that are mysterious that we just can't quite kind of apprehend with our with our minds and our imaginations. But let us be comforted to know that. You came to save us and to restore a fullness of our humanity that we might not be able to grasp. But it's so hopeful to know that that will happen and indeed is happening now. Amen.